0: What is going on, guys? We're back. The Dark Horse MMA podcast is back. Episode eight. I actually had no idea what the episode was for a little while. I had to go back and uh, go on the YouTube channel to see what episode it was. As uh, embarrassing as that is, because it's been so long. Uh, The reason for that absence, I'll quickly explain before we get into the fights this weekend that everyone was talking bear shit about. Um, You know, I kind of was learning more of YouTube as I went on, as I was just studying it a lot and algorithm and. I kind of realized that uh, the podcast format wasn't really the best in order to get a a lot of views and a lot of attention to the page because I just want to make the best content for you guys. So um, I kind of figured out podcast wasn't the best format for the the moment, I kind of wanted to try something new. So I was doing a lot of breakdowns and predictions. And if you're listening on Spotify, um, you can check that out, the video format. If you're on YouTube, what's up guys, you can see my face. And you can probably see these sweaters, Dark Horse MMA sweater on Spotify, guys. You can see it on uh, the YouTube page if you're on Spotify. I got one right there, black sweater with the white one. I had a mix in white, you know? I fucking, I needed a white sweater. I have have 16 black sweaters, so. But yeah, no, I've been uh, mixing it up. Kind of just went Vistaprint. Wanted to have some sweaters to wear to promote the brand. Right now I'm just trying to blow up the brand as much as I can. But yeah, guys, uh, it's fucking awesome to be back. I truly did miss the podcast format. Know, you know, Jules is doing this thing with Bionic. Fucking awesome. I'm so excited. Jules and I kind of had this like life experience recently uh, with both of us for many different reasons in our personal lives. And uh, now we're just kind of just having fun with life. We're enjoying it. And because of that, and I think this is kind of a celebratory moment for the Dark Horse MMA podcast, bringing it back to life because, you know, I've got a lot of messages on Instagram about uh, having guests, guys that follow me wanting to be guests on the podcast, even on Twitter. Uh, so I, I always wanted to bring it back. Now i found that I have more time on my hands to bring it back for you guys. So because of that, I got a friend here with me. And on Spotify, you can't see it, but on YouTube, you can. Mr. McGregor. Fucking proper 12. It's a celebratory moment. Uh, my girlfriend actually got this for me. Shout out to Selena. At Cook and Marcel on Instagram. Um, it was actually our one year anniversary last Sunday. It's right right now. I don't even know what day it is. It is October 4th, 4th. And yeah. She knows I love this shit. She knows McGregor's my you know life idol before he used to punch old guys in the face. But yeah. No nah, man. So I'm going to pour myself a nice glass of proper 12 on the rocks. I think on the rocks means with ice. I don't know. Look, it even came with a nice little shot glass. Cool. But yeah. So I don't know. I'm not into ASMR or any of that bullshit. But here it goes. Proper twelve. It's a celebratory moment. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Let's. Let's go, guys. Whoever's listening, let's have fun. Let's have fun right now. Put this bitch back in. Okay. Now we're good. A little stir. Hoo hoo! That first sip of whiskey puts hair in your chest. Boys that play that right now, if you have a hairless chest, this have a glass of whiskey, you'll wake up like a fucking bear. <laughs> Anyways, one more sip. Okay, I haven't had proper twelve in a minute. Now that I think about it, but yeah, catching you guys up. You know, was fucking around the merchandise. Um, I actually finished my sleeve tattoo. Um, I got, you know, guys on Spotify listening. You can't see it, but you can check it out on my YouTube page. I got a samurai right there. If you can see right there, boom. And then I got like a nice snake. I don't know. If we can, you can't really see it, but some guy choking out a snake. Whatever, fuck it. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna break where I'm showing you guys. And I got. I doubt you guys care that much. And I got my mom's eye right there, but. And with it, I'll, I'll fucking just post a video uh, here of it so you guys can see it better. Um, and I got like my mom's eye with me raising my hands just to symbolize her seeing me um, succeed in life. Uh, you know, I'm, I was even thinking about making a separate video about just what my tattoos mean to me. But I'll see that for fucking another time. For now, let's get into the fights. Let's go. Okay. Let's get into the fights. Um fight card holly holm and uh, irene aldana so everyone is talking bear shit about this fight card uh you know it obviously wasn't as stacked as other fight cards which is going to happen because you know when you have events like ufc 253 where there's three title fights crazy stack card main card every fight can be like a ufc fight night main event when you have cards like that, that's it's only a matter of time before you actually have like a a, a, f- a card that lacks in depth when it comes to talent or like known fighters. That's only normal and it's going to happen. But the thing I love about these cards, at first I was kind of disappointed. The first card, I don't remember which card it was this summer with uh, the pandemic going on, but there was one card that was pretty ass in talent. And I was like, oh my God, this sucks. But obviously I'm still going to watch it because I'm not a fucking casual. And... Basically, uh, it was a crazy card of f- amazing knockouts, fight, f- crazy fights. Uh, you Honestly, you just can't sleep in these cards. Everyone's talking bare shit every time a card like this happens. Oh my God, I'm not going to watch this fight, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to watch this card. I'm going to fucking catch up and sleep because of this, blah, 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 blah. You know what? Fucking, you don't know anything if you say that because trust me, guys, I know from experience from watching these cards, these cards are bangers, uh, as Chad would say. About EDM music, these fucking cards are amazing. Um, I love them because you get to know some of the lesser-known fighters that are coming on the come up, which I'll get into. Which was actually the first main card uh, fight. One guy on it was uh, a middleweight. I'll get into, but yeah, no, definitely, guys. If you haven't watched these fights, watch even like just give it a shot because even even for pay-per-views, a lot of people don't watch the first fights. The the uh, Fucking early prelim fights. Some Sometimes those fights are the fight of the night. Get the fight of the night 50k bonus. A recent Recently, I think uh, two or three fights, uh, fight cards ago. Something like that happened. But anyways, let's get fucking into it, boys. I'm saying boys because uh, from YouTube analytics, there's literally zero women that watch this page. So shout out boys, boy time. Let's go boys night. Um, okay, let's get into it. So the first fight was Daquan Townsend against... Dusko Tortor... What the fuck? Tortorvic. Tortorvic. I know Paul Felder is struggling to uh, say that guy's name. It was the middleweight belt. Take a sip of whiskey. Hopefully I don't uh, fall asleep uh, mid-podcast with this because this whiskey's going to punch me in the face because i barely eaten today. But you know what? It is what it is, as Max Hollywood would say. Hollywood. Hollywood. Max Hollywood? Hollywood? Oh my God, Max Holloway! What am I fucking saying? Anyways, so uh, Daquan Townsend, Dusko Todorovic. Uh, Dusko was ten and zero. He was a huge minus three sixty favorite. I know I've this guy was coming from the Dana White contender series. He uh, I believe he won by TKO in, like the first or second round, something like that. He actually did a really impressive performance. Got signed right away by Dana White himself. Um, that was back in 2019. He's undefeated. Undefeated at 9-0. So, you know, whenever there's an undefeated fighter coming up, you're always gonna it's always gonna turn heads because who if that, who knows if that's gonna be like another Habib or Izzy, you know, you never know nowadays, with all the talent and all the evolution of the sport, which is fucking awesome to see. Um and before going into this fight, he was preaching, he's like, you know what, everyone's talking about my hands, but you know, I got a fucking black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so I want to show that shit off if I have the chance to, if I don't knock this guy out in 16 seconds, like fucking Hamza Chimaev, um, who's a fucking character in himself. But yeah, no, something that I noticed right away with this guy, he walked out to ACDC's Thunderstruck. And guys, uh, if you don't know, for me personally, ACDC is my favorite rock band. If any of you listening are into rock, ACDC is my shit personally. So... When whenever I see a, a fighter walk out to a band or uh, an artist or someone that I love, I know. For example, uh, Jules and I watch this card together as usual. You know, we, we, it's our uh, it's our night away from uh, the girlfriends. Uh, it's so it's really funny, but you know, just like an inside joke between us and the girls. Um, but yeah, no, some guy walked out to uh, Still Wiz, and we got so excited because Jules and I before obviously this summer we always went to. It was like a, uh, not a routine, uh, a tradition to go to Wiz Khalifa when he came to the Budweiser stage uh, in Toronto. We always used to see him uh, perform and, you know, did some stuff, if you know what I'm talking about. And, you know, always enjoyed. So just seeing some guy walk out of Still Wiz, which we blast in the bionic gym when we're working out and stuff. It was, it's, it's, always, it's always cool to see. And right away, I always tend to root for him. I don't know. If you guys on YouTube are familiar with or have the same kind of opinion with that, comment below. I would love to hear who's who's your favorite band, who's your favorite artist, what's your favorite song, and like what's your favorite walkout song that you see fighters walk out to that you automatically want to root for them right away. I would love to hear. You know, comment below if you guys uh, have that in mind. But so yeah, no. um, And then Town said this was a crazy story. This shit broke my heart. It's uh, he's now. 21 and 12 uh, after this fight because he lost. And he was a plus 290 underdog going into it. He was a huge underdog. And fucking on his walkout, um, Brendan fridge Darrell said that his two brothers were actually m- murdered in August, which completely broke my heart. I uh, It's a horrible thing to hear. And I don't know how like what the guy's feeling. I felt so bad. It broke my heart hearing that shit. And you know, whenever I hear someone who has someone close to them pass away i always root for them because i don't i can't imagine what they're feeling like and i always want to see them win at least get their hand raised at the end of it you know some positivity in their life because it's such a horrible time um dealing with all that shit. so it was tough seeing that right away i was like "Fuck, man i hope this guy wins i saw he has so much experience over this undefeated prospect i'm like you know what maybe there's a chance i know he had a reach advantage i believe And I I know I had my fingers crossed. It really broke my heart. And you know, it kind of like just so much shit. I know some. I think a bantamweight, uh, his brother passed away unexpectedly, and you know he won his his comeback fight. Um, Walt Harris, you know, with his stepdaughter, that horrific tragedy, that shit, that fucking broke my heart. Um, And he actually lost his fight to uh, Alistair Overeem. So it's it's, that shit's always really tough to see. I, I you know you always gotta. I don't know how you don't root for guys that are going through some life shit like that. Um, but yeah, man. No, anyways. Anyways, back to the fight. Back to some positivity in our lives. Back to the fun. Um, you No, know, right away, Dusko, man. This guy's got some nice hands. He's got some crazy head movement, even if he's against the cage. Always moving his head. He's always a moving target. He knows what he's doing. He's undefeated for a reason. And... um you know, he was bringing the fight to Townsend Townsend right away. You know, he cracked him, I think in like the opening 10 seconds, he actually cracked him with like a hook or something. Kind of caught his attention and kind of was wide-eyed. He's like, oh, fuck, okay, this guy's got some power. Kind of got his respect right away. Um, yeah, right off the bat, he just had excellent striking pressure. uh was putting Townsend on the back step. Townsend wasn't really throwing as much in the first round. Um, and then, he, you know, he's getting him, he got his back up against the cage. And Dusko, you know, was just ripping the fucking, the nasty hooks, just nasty strikes, connecting. And Townsend was showing he has a nice, granite, solid chin uh, at middleweight. Because if that shit cracked Luke Rockold, he would be into the shadow run right now. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. But yes, that guy would be uh, taking a nap for 15 hours if he got touched with one of those. Even If he got touched with a fucking jab by uh go, he'd be sleeping. And if you guys can't tell, I really don't like Luke Rockhold. If you guys uh, are having a hard time figuring out why I'm talking so much shit about this guy. Even though he can kick me in the face and put me in the shadow round. Whatever. Um, okay, more whiskey. Ooh. Uh, so yeah, Townsend had uh, going... When he went back into his corner in the after the first round, he got some great advice from his coach and Jules and I actually acknowledge to ourselves and really funny something to really talk about just bring up quickly was the fact that I think Jules and I can be commentators for this UFC because we were pointing shit out uh minutes before Dan Hardy or Paul Felder were were bringing that up themselves so I don't know we're kind of on top of this shit I don't know if it's because we did some uh not illegal it's legal now things uh before the fight <laughs> and yeah no I don't know we were just so on point. We were pointing shit out. Every time it happened, we we're like, oh my god, it happened again. Anyways, regardless, I think Jules and I are gonna get hired by uh, Dana White himself and Sean Shelby probably in the future. But anyways, going back into the fight, you know, he had Townsend got this great advice from his coach to trust his cardio and to start letting his hands go because he was so hesitant in that first round, you know, getting you know, when you get cracked with the uh, like a, a punch right in the opening sequence, you know, you're gonna be a little hesitant because you're automatically have respect You don't want to get touched like that again. It only makes sense, but Right off of the bat in the second round, you know, he was trusting his hands, trusting his cardio, trusting his training uh, At once at once in general, whatever, you know what I fucking mean and Yeah, I know he was doing a lot better in the opening exchanges of the second round And then eventually Dusko actually took the fight to the ground got a nice level change and we wanted to show that black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu like he was preaching before this fight. And he got to. And, you know, he passed his guard. Uh, Townsend is very, very active on the ground in the sense that he want, he was trying to escape a lot of the time. He wasn't just sitting there like a, a dead fish doing fuck all. He was actually trying to escape. He was being progressive, uh, you know, with uh, trying to shrimp out and whatnot. And then eventually, Asco, actually, Dusko secured full mount and once he secured full mount he, he had dominant control over townsend and he had some fucking vicious ground and pound on the man but i gotta give credit to townsend with that chin again he ate some nasty ground and pound punches uh from dusko and you know eventually those ground and pound punches got the fight to be finished led to the fight to be finished and uh yeah no so dusko dusko eventually won by tko in the second round and it was funny when he won uh <laughs> townsend actually like fucking swept him and put him on his ass when he was on full mount so it was kind of as he as he was raising his hands he kind of just swept him off um off of his full mount, and uh i know he was complaining obviously so it obviously sucks to see him lose townsend but you know i don't know it's the fight game i wish him the best obviously i hope he's doing well with his family uh but yeah no for dusko fucking that guy said nasty nasty as in really good uh for anyone that's listening not from canada nasty is a good thing doesn't make any sense but um yeah i know he's a fucking high level prospect in my opinion in a middleweight division too uh i think he can do some damage in this division uh i don't i don't know what's next for him See, we we'll have to see what they come up, but uh, uh, I know he wants to fight again soon. You know, he didn't really take any crazy shots, he did take a couple of shots. He showed his chin too, but you know, uh, yeah. And he, in the in the post fight interview, he was even preaching that he wants to be his main priority in the UFC in his career is just to keep that zero losses on his record. He wants to be undefeated, he wants to be like a Floyd Mayweather, obviously, not probably not 50, you know, because that's kind of crazy, but. Um, you know, I don't, if that's his goal, fuck, run with it. I'd love to see it. i love that shit. But yeah, so yeah, next fight. This was a sick fight. Kyler Phillips and Cameron Else, Else, or whatever his name is, bantamweight fight. Kyler Phillips, luscious locks on this guy. He has beautiful hair. Great energy on this man, too, in his walkout. He was doing, he's dancing and fit, fucking feeling himself, this man. I love, I love, I love seeing guys with a certain energy that, you know, they know that they're the shit in their minds that they're the shit. Uh, This guy was training jujitsu since he was like four years old or some shit, you know, his dad right out of the womb he threw him on the mat. He's like, let's go, I'm going to show you how to shrimp Um, before he could probably even speak. So Phillips uh, was on the Ultimate Fighter and he was on the Dana White's Contender Series. After this fight, he's now eight and one because he won and he was a huge minus 425 favorite they should have just done minus 420, cause you know it's always 420, and else uh, is 10 and five now. This was he was a plus 345 underdog. Uh, he has a crazy stomach tattoo of a lion, which uh, you gotta respect because that's a crazy spot to get that kind of tattoo. It's kind of like a McGregor thing. Uh, it's really in your face. A lot of people were making fun of it, but you know what? If he likes it, go fuck yourself. That's all that matters. And it's badass, so you got to respect it. And I can't imagine how much that shit hurt because my bottom half of my sleeve tattoo sucked balls. So that was not fun. I can't imagine what his stomach's like. And yeah, whatever, regardless. And also, this was his UFC debut. Uh, I don't know if I said that already, but he took this fight on short notice, so it makes sense. And he was actually a paratrooper in his, uh, I don't know, previous days. I don't know when that was, but he was a paratrooper. So, you know, that requires... A certain mental toughness in order to have that and like as a life skill i guess or whatever you would say as experience that's badass i love i love hearing that kind of stuff um but yeah um uh, phillips he's very unpredictable with his strikes and with his movement he's kind of unorthodox so you don't really know what's coming you don't know if he's gonna throw like a spinning wheel kick or uh or a nice four-piece boxing combo you don't know what's happening, so it's hard to anticipate that. And because of that, uh, it led. To, it's easy for him to shoot in and uh, change levels for a takedown. So um, he was actually able to do that. So he had a. Uh, he took. He took. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> he took Elstown, down, and uh, and it was cool the way he was passing his guard. He kind of was avoiding. Um, else's up kicks he didn't want to get Nico Price uh Nico Price James Vick KO'd so he was smart with it he was cool the way he was passing guard I never saw someone pass guard like that he was very smooth with it he kind of just basically literally walked around him didn't do anything crazy didn't do any like fucking cartwheel transitions into half guard or side control or anything like that he was very he made it look very easy which is pretty cool to see I don't know if uh, else was just very elementary on the ground I'm not too familiar with him because this is, was his UFC debut it's not my job to get familiar with guys who are making their UFC UFC debuts like Dan Hardy and Paul Felder and shit but, um, but yeah no like uh, he was fucking eating else was eating some nasty shots in the ground and pound position at the end of the first round and actually he took his sweet ass time getting back to his feet when the bell rung going back into his corner he didn't even know which way the his corner was and it kind of once you see a fighter do have that kind of body language, you can kind of see where he's at mentally, where he's at physically. You know, he's kind of dazed. He was eating nasty elbows and punches um, on the ground in that, and towards the end of the first round. So it's easy to imagine the kind of fight was basically over. And then you definitely can see that in the second round when uh, Phillips had him against the cage and kind of he didn't even foot sweep him or anything, he kind of just fell back uh, else. And Phillips was just, right on top. Um, I know, I think it was in the first round, there's actually this cool uh, sweep that Phillips, or not Phillips, that else hit on Phillips from uh, on the bottom of side control, and he almost landed a, a nice Darster Anaconda choke. I'm, I forget the one, but I know he, on his highlights going into the fight, he fucking just choked the shit out of some guy unconscious with uh, one of those chokes. So it was cool. It was a cool transition. So he's not as elementary on the feet as I, as I thought, which I'm just realizing this now as I'm recording this podcast, but, you know, I'm gonna be honest with the guys. And by guys, I mean the viewers, you motherfuckers. Um, so, where am I going at? Um, yeah, so, yeah, no. So, uh, after that easy fucking takedown, um, he got on, he, I think it was a back mount, and then he just finished a fight, elbows, elbowing the fuck out of him. I know one elbow I don't know what round it was it was kind of it was funny it was to the back of the head and it was the 12th to 6 elbow but it, it it was a weird uh positioning because it was from back mount so it it was like no one knew it was kind of an odd position you can't really didn't really clue in with that which is pretty funny and the I think Paul Felder actually pointed that out which is hilarious but yeah no uh Phillips easily took him down finished the fight with elbows Won via TKO in the second round and then he said something to else when he got up. I don't know if these guys were talking shit to each other, going into this fight that I'm not familiar with. Maybe it was like someone some someone some something someone said in an interview or some shit that made Phillips catch feelings, but if that's not the case, I really I fucking hate when guys um, scream at someone after they get finished unless it was like some Izzy Paulo Costa shit then whatever. But I don't know, man. I, I love respect after fights. You know, you talk talk as much shit as you want before the fight. Don't cross any boundaries, um, and uh, you know, just always give respect, man. I don't know. I, I, I just don't like I don't I don't like the disrespect part about MMA and mixed martial arts. If you literally go to war, you beat the fuck out of each other or whatever. Whatever happens in the fight, um, just be respectful after. That's the because because this did rub me the wrong way if I'm being completely honest and uh, and you know he was he had this funny post fight interview um, he was you know he thanked everyone you know the common bullshit I don't want to see bullshit but common speech after the fight thanked everyone and then he was kind of saying he was kind of like telling all the fighters like guys you got to fight a fight on this shit is crazy he's like I want to live here it's like being on a cruise ship I get free food. Um, before his fight, he was jet skiing. It was a crazy life. It sounds amazing as long as you love to fight. Like, Hamza, Hamza Chimaev, he's drinking coconut water and shit out of a coconut. He's living his dream. He's like, this is the life I smash people get. Um, I get fucking bonuses. I'm making so much money and, and I'm on a fucking an island in Abu Dhabi making bank. So, it's that's sick to see. Yeah, no, he was, just, he was a funny guy. But he's doing these crazy fi- flips as a celebration. So... Um, this guy was, no, he's a very entertaining fighter. He had crazy transitions on the mat. Very smooth, very, uh, precise, very clean. I love seeing it. Um, you know, just, uh, predominantly, dominantly, predominantly, whatever the word is, uh, training jiu mainly. Uh, I love seeing that shit. Like seeing Bryce Mitchell fuck Charles DeRosa, I believe his name is, um, for, at UFC 249. That fight, I fucking love that shit. I love seeing amazing high-level jujitsu because it just gets me motivated to go on the mats even though right now i can't because of fucking covid and uh all this bullshit going on in the world but yeah knowing what anyways uh uh, excuse me going into the next fight jermaine durandamy against juliana pena first of all juliana pena pena she's kind of bad she's a good-looking girl it's crazy when you see a high and the fact that she's number four ranked in the world and she's not bad looking at all that's always a nice little bonus for uh marketing and advertising team at the ufc uh, but anyways the belt jermaine Duranimi, she's uh number one ranked juliana Pena, ranked number four uh after this fight jermaine is 10 and four because she won in case you guys didn't know she was a minus 145 favorite as she should be because she's number one ranked as i previously said um, and this is her first fight back since the Amanda Nunes loss, um, yeah, no, uh, she's the former Bantamweight champ, uh, something cool about her, something I love, I mentioned to Jules that he wasn't aware of was, uh, the fact that she actually is such a badass that she just, she KOs male sparring partners, I don't know if she's actually fought males, I wouldn't be surprised if she has, but she's a badass, she's a fucking high level striker, Muay Thai kickboxer, badass, um, she wasn't, the f- funny thing was she wasn't really known for a ground game at all. Um, and you could tell from uh, the Amanda Nunes fight. She was going going into the fight. She's like, I exposed Amanda Nunes in a way because she didn't want to, f- she didn't want to strike with me. So she ended up taking Jermaine Down fucking uh, sniffing her strap as uh, Marty Fakes Newsman would for uh, basically a lot of the, a lot of the fight. And then Juliana Pena, she's now because she lost the fight. She's 10 and four. She's a plus 125 underdog, and she's uh, she was the ult, the Ultimate Fighter 18 winner, which I did not know. And her something I didn't know I don't know if this is factual or not. Someone can fact check me and rip my ass in the comments, or you can message me. Um, was that her la- her last loss in her previous seven fights was to Valentina Shevchenko? So I don't know if, if that's right. Fact check me if it's not. Whatever, you know, just fucking shoot me a message. I don't care doesn't matter, I won't get offended. I don't have a huge ego. Um, but yeah, so, okay, going into the fight. Jermaine Duran, right away, she touched uh sorry, my ice is melting this voice here, I gotta finish this shit. Uh, right away, uh, you can see Jermaine landing that right hand that actually fucking knocked out Ladd in like 16 seconds or whatever the fight was. She actually staggered Pena a couple times with that nasty straight right. And uh, even in that fight, she was uh, kind of fainting the uppercut. She landed it a couple times. She's mixing up well. She's she's a high level Muay Thai kickboxer fighter uh, and knocks the fuck out of uh, her male sparring sparring partners for a reason. She's a high level striker. She's mixing up very well. Uh, she's got nasty knees, nasty elbows she can do it all on the feet basically uh, and she is a badass. Julianna Pena is also a badass, but uh you know in the first round she Julianna Pena was kind of hesitant. Kind of was having have a hard try hard time going into the pocket, getting the fight against the fence, hopefully getting a takedown. I believe she got a takedown in the, like the last 3 seconds of the first round something like that. Um, and then right in the second round, she got that corner advice, you know, bite down your fucking mouth card and go all for it. You got it. You got to bring this fight to her because if you don't, you're going to lose. That's just the way it's going to happen with uh, a high level striker like Jermaine. Um, so, yeah, in the second, um, right away, Pena was swinging like a wild woman and uh, actually got Jermaine against the cage. Uh, what she was aiming for a takedown, at, whether that be like a trip or whatnot, had that body lock. And she eventually did get that takedown from uh, Jermaine. And there was one position where I think it was like inside control or I think a half guard maybe, where Pena actually was going for a guillotine. And she it was kind of a sequence where Jermaine kind of got her hips up and Pena tried to just go full out Dustin Pori on it and uh, pull the guard on it. And she kept it. She kept the the grip. And for people that don't know that train jiu-jitsu, if your guard gets passed and you have that guillotine grip on uh you're a complete rookie which is completely fine um but that sets up the Von fluke choke the Owen saint Pro choke which it should be fucking called now um and it was crazy because uh jermaine actually recognized that so it shows this crazy evolution in jermaine's ground game ever since her last fight against amanda Nunes, which she lost the title uh the title belt to um so yeah, that was crazy to see. The commentators were kind of pointing that out. They're saying, oh my God, like, you know, that's a, a crazy thing to notice, especially for this high level, predominantly striker. Everyone's saying she's just a striker. She's just a kickboxer whatnot. And uh, yeah, just showed this great evolution. It was cool to see. Uh, she actually had it tight on her, but Pena got lucky uh, because the fight, the second round was basically over after that. It was only like a few seconds, 30 seconds, 20 seconds, or uh, whatever it was, Um when she had that choke locked in, the Von Flug choke. So it was 1-1 going into the third. And in the middle of the third, Pena got, uh, what's her name? Jermaine Duranly against the, against the cage, went in for a single leg. And Jermaine locked in this guillotine. And the guillotine, this guillotine I'm, I've been obsessed with lately because, lately because I've been seeing uh, guys lock it in and finish their opponents and actually choke them out so this guillotine, I'll try to explain the best I can for the Spotify listeners. Um, it's palm to palm and it's high elbow. It's not just the normal, whatever grip you want to do, uh, guillotines with. So it, it's a cool, it gets, you get more torque on it. And I love that. Um, shout out to Selena because I actually, uh, since I haven't been rolling, I fucking, if she's too clingy to me, if my girlfriend's do clingy to me, guys, I fucking just swap her in, uh, like a Darce or some shit. And she actually gets so mad at me. She, uh, told Jules that she wants to throw hands with me. So, uh, sorry, babe, you know, I love you. Always at the end of the day. Can <laughs> you just keep buying me a proper 12? I swear I won't do it anymore. But anyways, uh, going back into it. Yeah, no, so she, she locked in that, uh, took it to the mat and fucking put Penny out and she put her out so quick too. It wasn't, uh, it didn't take a while to sink in and to cut off the blood circulation. Uh, she fucking choked her out and it was pretty quick. So it was cool to see. And Jermaine's a badass. Uh, that was her first submission. So it's a pretty crazy submission to hit. Not that it was like crazy high level, but the, the way she did it um, showed, a, this again, this high evolution in her game, which is very dangerous if she gets that rematch rematch with Nunes if she doesn't rematch home, or yeah, Holly Holm, which we'll get into her fight uh, in a bit. Yeah, it's funny right after the fight. She's like, yeah, I'm a kickboxer that chokes you out. She's talking... Uh, you know, not shit, but she's being confident in herself, which I'd love to see, um, you know, winner by submission, obviously. Uh, and she said to Nunes that she was not done yet. She was wishing her well because Amanda Nunes actually just had her baby. So congratulations to Amanda Nunes and her wife. I actually forget her wife's name. I'm sorry. I don't really feel bad, though. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so... Uh, she has the now the most third she has the third most finishes in bantamweight history and She won performance of the night. So she got an extra 50k bonus for this uh, nice guillotine choke finish So now moving on to the co-main event before I do that another sip of uh, proper 12 whiskey golden liquor Okay, so Jordan de Castro and Carlos Felipe co-main event uh, this event got a lot, probably got the most attention because of the stare down. Uh, DeCastro went in for a handshake, you know, being respectful. And fucking Felipe was like, yeah, go fuck yourself. I'm not shaking your hand. And uh, I learned that he's actually a big fan of the Diaz brothers. So it makes sense, his mentality. Because once I saw that video, I'm like, yo, fuck this guy. I don't even know what this guy is. And he's doing this and he's being a dickhead. Uh but, you know, once I got to learn that he's he loves uh, looking up to the Diaz brothers, Diaz brothers don't shake anyone's hand, unless it's uh, Jorge Masvidal, who's actually a real gangster as, uh, or a bad motherfuckers he would say. Um, but, yeah, no. So, Dick Castro is a Dana White Contender Series alum. He's 6-2. Uh, and two, and then on the Dana White Contender Series, I believe he was, like, the biggest underdog on that card or in history or something like that. And he was... Uh, minus 230 favorite going into this fight yeah so he's now six and two and felipe is uh now nine and one after this fight he was a plus 190 underdog and something i kind of acknowledged when i was doing research for this podcast was the fact that um the cash was his big favorite or decent sized favorite but to in his last fight kind of showed he didn't have the craziest heart i don't want to talk shit or whatever because these are said than done for a guy that doesn't fight mixed martial arts because I have so much respect for these guys, but you know, he has those nasty leg kicks that he was hitting Greg Hardy with, and I think Greg Hardy checked one of them, but then after that, DeCastro didn't literally did wasn't doing shit. So wasn't showing the greatest like heart. It is it is heart when it come when it comes down to it. Um, I hate saying guys don't have the biggest heart, but you know, he showed a little chink in the armor when it comes to that, if he gets hurt or tired or whatnot. Um, but yeah, no, so Felipe loves trash talking He acknowledge that he says he loves it just to get in the guys' heads. And he showed it in this fight, which is really funny. And uh, the referee for this fight was a fucking character in himself. If you guys have watched this fight, you will know because um, he, you know he was he was doing so much shit. And uh, even before, I think it was uh, the me and Akeem fight against that Russian, uh, that Russian cat, Habib's uh, training partner. I forget his name. Um, he was me and Kheem was like talking shit like, "Oh, let's fight, let's fight! You're running away." Cussing at him and this referee was telling him not to cuss and be respectful and I was like, what the fuck man? It's a fight like don't be a don't be a Um Yeah, no, don't be a fucking pussy like I hate that shit. It's a fight So this guy going into this fight I was like, oh my god this ref this ref kind of rubbed me the wrong way just because of that I don't know. I don't know who he's trying to be what he's trying to implement. I believe that was a kind of a, a rule um Back in the day in the UFC they actually weren't able to talk shit, which is so stupid Um, Yeah, no, whatever And Kevin Satako, which is the ref, his name He looks exactly like fucking uh, one of the Fertitta brothers That uh, founded the UFC That sold it for fucking $99 billion Um, Yeah, going into this fight Typical heavyweight fight uh, Felipe was kind of throwing that overhand right um wildly you know he's kind of initiated more of the fight to the castro to castro and and it was funny uh right out of the gate felipe was kind of uh picking up his knee pretending to check the kick uh the calf kick or late kick because the castro is a nasty late kick so he's kind of mocking him he's like yeah come in uh come in late kick me i'm gonna i'm gonna check in you're gonna fucking bitch out the rest of the fight i'm gonna smash you it's kind of that kind of vibe so it was pretty funny to see that and um the cornermen, all Brazilian cornermen are hilarious. I love them. Whether it be them screaming "Eso!" after every fucking jab or every time uh, their fighter blinks, they get so excited. It's it's so cool to see the passion out of that uh, out of that country. Uh, I love that shit. It always makes me happy. Always, uh, you know, makes me laugh with that. Um, and the cornermen men for this fight were like so s- synced with what they were saying. They were screaming, uh, Bola, Bola, or whatever. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure what that means. I, don't, I could be butchering it. So if anyone is uh, Portuguese and knows that uh, or speaks Portuguese because I'm Portuguese, but I'm f- kind of fake Portuguese because uh, I don't speak Portuguese, half Portuguese, half Italian, if you guys didn't know, um, don't speak either. Only probably the swear words from my parents saying it to me when I was younger. Okay, um, but yeah, no, it's funny, like, the Paul Felger and Dan Hooker and, uh, Brendan Fitzgerald were kind of saying, like, oh, they sound like minions or some characters from Toy Story. It's just funny to point out, because they they literally did. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Felipe just looked faster on the feet. His hands looked faster. He was mixing up to the body very well towards the end of the fight. He was kind of headhunting in the beginning, you know, trying to get a spectacular KO or something, because... You know a bunch of talking shit, and uh, you know, you want to KO someone stiff, make their toes curl, and shit like that. Uh, but yeah, that wasn't really working because Dicasso has a he showed he has a good chin, so he's mixing in the body really well. Dicasso was a little hesitant, he landed some good leg kicks, uh, landed some punches, it wasn't really anything crazy, anything uh, shocking. But um yeah, De Castro was really in the first round, he was just waiting to counter Felipe with the overhand right. Other than that, was doing really fuck all, and then the second round, uh, you know, we got that that uh, corner advice saying you gotta initiate the fucking action, you gotta you gotta throw more shots. You're not doing anything. You're gonna lose this fight if you're just gonna be waiting for the counter overhand right, like T- Tyron Woodley or uh, Nyquil Woodley, as Colby Covington would say, or Tyquel. That might be Tyquel actually. You're kind of might have butchered that. Um, but yeah, right away out of the in the second round, DeCastro showed that fucking urgency. It was going right for um Felipe's face, Felipe's head, he was trying to take it off right at the beginning of the round. So it was cool. It was great to see him take his corner's advice and uh run with it. So that's good to see. Uh but other than that, after that little, you know, like the first minute or so, if it's a minute at most, um, he really didn't do anything. He kinda you know, he threw some shots, threw some leg kicks, wasn't really anything. Felipe was kind of just taking the action to him, I feel, more significant strikes-wise. Um, yeah, no, in the second round, this is where you really saw Felipe mixing into the body well. Um, and when he was mixing, into, it was perfect mixing into the body because he was throwing enough sh- significant strikes to De Castro where he wants him to raise his guard and cover his head. And when you do that, it leaves your whole body open. Your whole body open. So. Uh, that's why he was mixing in the body. And he was working well. He was landing uh, very well. Uh, and then... in the second round, he actually fucking slapped him like a Diaz brother, which is really funny. Showing that he literally is a fanboy of these guys. Uh, which is uh, awesome to see. You know, It's never a bad thing to see. And then in the third round, oh my god, what a round this was. Um... Uh, DeCastro was just gassed He shot in for a takedown Which wasn't really the smartest idea Because he's not a Curtis Blades level wrestler In the heavyweight division And at the third round And you're gassed You are on the best cardio And this guy shoots in for a takedown Does not get it whatsoever Can't lock his hands around uh, Felipe's ass Against the cage To secure, you know That position And hopefully get a double leg takedown Or even transition to a single leg Something like that um, But yeah, no, so that happened, and he basically gassed out after that. So yeah, this ref was um, in this fight. Uh, even if one of the got, one of the fighters had a finger in the cage, they he automatically would stop it and get rid of the position. And I, I did not mind that whatsoever. He, that was actually something um, I liked about him. But in the in the past of this swearing and shit, be respectful. Like fuck off. Like don't don't be like that. Let the guys fight. Let them talk shit. It's a fight. You're getting punched in the face. I'm not going to be a, ah, not a nice jab in my mouth, guy. Not gonna be all uh, happy uh, with uh, getting punched in the face. I'll probably talk shit too. It doesn't, you know. That's that's fighting at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I know uh, Felipe in the second round he actually fucking slapped him like a Diaz brother. I think I previously mentioned that. Um, and then in the third round, right away Felipe came out swinging, came out swinging trying to uh, finish DeCastro. Castro. Um, that was a crazy little sequence they had. And uh, in the the end of the, uh, in the third round, the entire third round, De Castro was so fucking gassed. He literally was like a football drill. He kind of was just charging towards him, charging towards uh, Felipe's chest and just putting him against the cage and doing nothing, just resting, doing bullshit knees, kind of bullshit punches that had no damage with them. And he did that a few times in a row. And I think it was like the third time in a row, uh, Felipe was like, are you fucking kidding me? And he was like, he was talking shit about him. Um, It was funny. He was talking shit to him. And it was funny because uh, actually uh, he was laughing, and then he started like smacking his ass. He smacked his ass a couple times, which was so funny to see. Such a savage move. It was just hilarious. It was funny because you hear the commentators like holding in their laughter when the with what Felipe was saying and shit. It, uh, fucking obviously from him slapping De Castro's ass. That was hilarious. That kind of was a sequence. He would break him up. De Castro would just put him against the cage. Ref would pull him apart because they were doing fuck all. That happened a few times. Then you know eventually Felipe. Um, was pushing the pace and like the last minute, whatever he won by unanimous decision, obviously. And uh, you know he he called out some guy I've never even heard of his name. I don't know who he is. Called out someone who wants to fight. He's not didn't get hurt or anything. So yeah, that was awesome. I'm I'm actually a fan of uh, Felipe's after that because it showed his character. He loves fighting. He has some. He said he has some like violence inside of him that he wants to bring out. I love guys that um, instead of like fucking getting into gangs, committing crimes or whatnot. Um, I say whatnot so much. I just realized uh, he, he was instead of being a fighter. And I love seeing that. That's awesome to see. So now main event, Holly Holm and Irene Aldana, bantamweight belt. Holly Holm, uh, after this fight, she's 14 to 5. She was a minus 125 favorite. Um, she's the number two contender in the bantamweight division behind Jermaine Durandamy. So it's interesting to see how this played out. Um, she was actually, something I didn't know, she was the number one pound-for-pound pound woman's boxer of all time, or is the number one number one pound-for-pound pound woman's boxer of all time. Um, that's cool, I knew she was a badass boxer, I didn't know she was like that fucking, uh, she had that big of a legend or goat status or whatever you wanna call it. And um, she's been with uh, Mike Winklejohn, who's uh, the head coach of John Jones. She's been with him for 22 fucking years. And she still calls him um, Mr. Winklejohn, which is, I love seeing that that amount of high level respect because with her work ethic and with it, with Mike Winklejohn's brain, that's gotten her to where she is at right now. Former champ. Um, yeah, no, so it's very cool. And then uh, Irene is 12 and six now. She's, she was a plus 100, 105 underdog. I think I said, I don't know if I mentioned that Holm was a minus 125 favorite. In case you guys didn't know, I'll fucking mention it twice. And uh, Irene, is the, she has the second most significant strikes in UFC bantamweight history at 667. And she has the second highest striking rate in UFC bantamweight history at 6.6 strikes per minute. So um, going into this fight, I thought that it was going to be no. I was telling Jules, you know, like people were overlooking this fight. But home, she's a great striker. Renee, she got that. She's got had some nasty uh, KOs. That she had that one nasty leaping uh, left hook, I believe KO. Fucking badass, followed with a nice right hand, put her, put the girl she was fighting to sleep. I think she had a nasty like head kick KO too, or uh, dropped her opponent and finished her after. Uh, but yeah, no, so I, I, I didn't have crazy high expectations, but I knew this was going to be a pretty decent fight compared to what people were saying on Twitter, talking bare shit about it. Um, but yeah, no, basically just dominant performance by Holly Holm. She looked like a monster in this fight, Uh complete badass. She, she came into this fight looking like she had something to prove to herself. You know, everyone's quite talking to her, bringing up retirement. She's getting pissed off. You know, she's 38 years old. She is getting there, but she was saying, you know, I'm far from done. I got so much more left to prove. She wants to be champ. She wants to make get that title back again, be a two-time Band-A-M-A champ. Um, yeah, I know the whole fight was Irene was chasing Holly Holm when Holly Holm was uh, utilizing her great footwork and from like boxing and uh, just circling away from that lead hook that Irene has. And at times she was just, Charging in that four-piece combo, ending it with a leg kick or body kick or head kick. Um, you know, and Irena didn't know what to do. She couldn't really get into the pocket range. She wasn't really doing anything significant in this fight. Um, you know, if I was her, I would have chopped down at the legs, kind of uh, make Holly more stagnant in her movement, uh, give me more opportunity to land something significant kind of changed the output of this fight maybe shooting for a takedown change levels put holly home on her back and uh something that was cool that um i didn't know was that john jones actually has was the only fighter in, U, in the ufc today that had the a higher takedown defense than irene so irene was number two before this fight after this fight she's probably fucking way below this list because she got taken down five out of 14 times by holly um yeah, no, man. I don't like there's not too much to say with this fight. It's the same shit happened all over and over. Um Irene was just chasing her. She didn't really switch it up. She kind of did not initiate anything different. Was doing the same thing over and over. Um, I don't I don't know. I can't it's hard to dig into this because nothing really changed. There's no momentum shifts. Um, home took her down, landed some good ground and pound. She landed uh, this nasty like head kick that I thought was going to be illegal. It was kind of close uh, when uh, Irene was standing up to her feet after she got taken down. Um, that was that was pretty fucking cool. It, like made a nasty slapping noise um, echoed in that fucking tiny ass uh, wherever it is in the Fight Island arena. It's not an arena, but whatever. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't I don't it's it's hard to really dig into this fight because there's nothing too much to dig into. You know, Holly Holm looked fucking awesome. She's looked like a beast. I think after this fight, I think it's best to make the Holly and Jermaine Duranemi rematch. And then the winner of that gets fucking the next uh, head kick KO from Amanda Nunes. I don't know. Like it's hard seeing Amanda Nunes um lose. I kind of want to see Jermaine get that trilogy even though she lost twice already to her. Uh, Just with this evolution on the ground, it's interesting to see how that would be, especially with her being evenly matched somewhat on the feet with Amanda Nunes. You know, if Amanda Nunes is initiating takedowns with you uh, when you guys are fighting, showing that she doesn't want to strike with you. And you have this evolution on the mat, you know, with this, uh, you know, fucking choked out, uh, whatever her name is. um, What's her name? Uh... Juliana Pena, Juliana Pena winner, choke out a number four ring bantamweight. She's not a tomato can. She's a badass for a reason. So that'd be cool to see. But you know what? What makes sense is the Holly Holm-Tremaine randomly rematch. Winner gets Amanda Nunes after she most likely starches Megan Anderson. Sorry, Megan Anderson, but you have cool tattoos at the end of the day. So um, I'll always love you. Um, but uh, yeah, no. In this fight, Holly Holm kind of maintaining the distance. She was using that lead. Side body kick to kind of keep that distance to kind of uh was making her able to still you know touch her from the distance and getting away from her, eliminating any possibilities of her getting into the pocket. Um, uh, let's see what else we got. I'm, I'm just looking at my notes right now. Five takedowns for Holly Holm in this fight. You know, uh, that was you know, she's switching up, she's making her opponent's guess, which is really cool to see um but yeah man at the end of the day oh something gotta point out the last 30 seconds of the fifth fifth round holly holm was going ham on uh irene she was trying to finish her she was putting it all on her so that was fucking sick to see that really not like it was a close fight Oh, she was gonna win even if she uh she lost that round or she got dropped or whatever she was winning that fight regardless unless she got finished um yeah, man. No, it was a it was a good fight. I don't know. You guys got to... For anyone that talks shit about these like low-key cards that people don't think have a lot of potential, fucking watch them. Watch them from start to finish. Do it once. Try it out. See if you like it. If you don't like it, I really don't understand because it's fucking always amazing fights. But anyways, I don't want to drag this on anymore, any longer. Home won via unanimous decision. I believe she had two fifty forty four 50-44 cards one 40 50 45 card um I actually didn't know how she didn't get a performance of the night bonus for this fight but yeah guys the the fact that she didn't get the 50k bonus really doesn't make sense to me but anyways regardless she had an amazing performance and flipping the switch here if you guys are as excited as me for the Habib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gaethje fight on YouTube click right here to check it out my breakdown and prediction and on Spotify you can find it in the video before this. I'll see you guys later. Have a great day. Make sure to subscribe for more videos every week.